hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey guys, it's Joey Ryan. Welcome to another episode of Pool Player Podcast. Guys, I really appreciate the support, the support that we're getting on YouTube, all the subscribers. Thank you so much. Keep doing that. Share it, like it, all that stuff. Also, the support that we're getting on the Facebook page. If you're not following the Pool Player Podcast Facebook page, please go ahead and do so. We have a great episode for you today, and this is brought to you by 1pkt.com. Uh, this guy, I've been friends with him, I don't know, 15 years. We used to compete against each other. Heck of a nice guy and an awesome pool player. I'm going to bring in my friend, Kevin West. Hey, Kevin, how's it going, man? Hey, Joey. Nice talking to you, buddy. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. You know, one of the fun things about doing this podcast is over the years, I've met so many folks and, you know, people that I've just really hit it off with over the years. And then we kind of lose touch because I move away and stuff. And you and I used to compete against each other, what, a decade or it's more ago? over, let's see, 2007. Yeah. It's probably been closer to 20 years now that I think about it. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Man, we're, we're getting old. 2000, <laughs> I, I know I am. <laughs> Jeez. Well, hey, uh, I'm really excited for people. You, you're from Delaware. Uh, you live in Delaware. And I know you head up and down the East Coast playing a lot of events there. But yeah. I really want people throughout the country to kind of get to know you. So why don't you start with telling us how you got started playing pool? Okay. Well, this is uh, this is going to be a heck of a story. Um my father used to do electrical contracting. Um, I'm not sure how familiar people will be with racing, especially low local dirt track racing, stuff like that. Anyway, he used to do electrical contracting at a track about 15 minutes from my house. So when I was six months old, I went to my first race, uh, sat in my mother's lap. Well, uh, I, that grew up to be a big part of my life. I, every weekend we were always somewhere and, um, traveled around, got to see a lot of that. And therefore I always wanted to, always wanted to race. Um, uh, my father was up for it. My mother, not so much. <laughs> well, uh, when I was about 13 years old, um, I had an ATV accident. I uh, ran an ATV into a ditch going about 60 miles an hour. Um, it was a drainage ditch, um, for a field, uh, behind my house actually. And, uh, I got a pretty bad accident, broke a lot of bones. And I was out of commission for about three months. Um, and, you know, they weren't sure if they wanted me to drive anything. They didn't want me to race anything after that. Um, so that was the end of that. And uh, I just hopped on my ATV one day and went down to the local local store, a uh, local campground. I always used to keep a couple bucks in the, in the console. And it was thirsty, you know, just stopped to get something to drink. And um, got a lemonade, 75 cents. And I saw some balls around on a, on a pool table. Didn't even know what a pool table was, but I saw it there and it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. So I went over there and popped open the lemonade and talked to the guy who ran the store named Mr. Mr. Gladden and uh, rolled the balls around a little bit more. And he said, are you interested? I said, yeah. I said, how much? And uh, he said, well, I'll show you how to rack the balls. He said, it costs, costs a quarter. So I pitched him the quarter and uh, he caught it in midair and he went over and showed me how to play pool and uh, racked the balls up. And, you know, I went every day back to that place for six months after that. After school, uh, weekends, uh, I just totally became obsessed with playing pool and uh, just just couldn't get enough of it. I still went went to see some of my other stuff, some of my other hobbies and everything, but uh, like the dirt track racing. But um, pool was in my blood from, from that time. And uh, here I am at... 48 and I still love it just as much to this day, if not more. You know, you're not the first guest that your pool career started with some kind of terrible racing accident. I don't know yeah, if you know I, I did not know that, but uh, I broke my forearm. I broke my right shoulder, uh, had a little fracture in my neck and cracked three ribs. So I was out of commission for a good long period of time and I was pondering what am I going to do? Um, as, as you know, uh, Joey, I'll go ahead and bring this up. I've been uh, a type one diabetic since I was four years old. So I was always limited in my activities. I, I never, never played sports in school or anything else. Uh, I 
quite frankly, I can't keep up with the, the other kids, couldn't keep up with the other kids. And um, it's, I just, I just didn't even bother to even try because I couldn't give it my all. Um, well, now, even driving my three-wheeler, my ATV at that time, it, that was taken away from me because of the accident. Um, I love racing, but they wouldn't let me do that because they're afraid I was going to kill myself. So um, I was just lucky. I was lucky to find something that I could put my time into, and, and I have no regrets whatsoever. I love it. The people I've met, the competition, it's the one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, so uh, Nick DeLeon, who was a few episodes ago, mm -hmm. uh, he's a friend of mine out here in Arizona, mm -hmm. and, you know, you guys kind of remind me of each other. He's a little younger. You know, he's in his mid-30s, I'd say. Uh -huh. Uh, but he was a BMX racer and had a terrible BMX accident. Very then, dangerous. Yeah. And then he went and started playing pool after that. He yeah. never raced BMX again after that terrible accident. And yeah. so, yeah. And I said, man, I bet you there's a lot of pool players out there that wish you never had that accident. You, <laughs> you, look, you look forward to doing things in life that are a little less, uh, you know, a little less, less violent, so to speak. Those accidents on BMX, you know, ATVs, racing in general. Uh, it takes a lot out of you if you uh, if you if you get into the wall if you wreck in a ditch like I did or you know if he gets into another rider like Nick did so um, it it really hurts and you start thinking about doing something in life uh, other than <laughs> crashing your body all the time. Yeah, so you started like just hitting some pool balls around and hitting some pool balls with the old gentleman that ran the store every day and uh, he set the balls up. He said, "This is how you rack. This is how you break." played one game i had one quarter left i had a dollar in my console and i couldn't wait to get back there the next day and i played wow. every day after that for over the next six months um the following year i asked for a pool table um i didn't start till i was 14 so uh, after my accident and um next thing you know uh, they put a nine foot table in my garage with a makeshift heater and something to get me through the winter and uh that's where it all started Wow, that's that's a really cool story. When was the point where, you know, you kind of realized, hey, wait a minute, I I got a knack for this. I I could be pretty good. Uh, probably I'm gonna say, probably about 17 or so. Believe it or not, only after about three years, um, we had a lot of local tournaments in that area, and and I just I just couldn't get enough of it, and and it, I just seemed to take to it really 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 quickly. I was I was very very. Uh, I just noticed things. I, I paid attention to a lot of stuff. I always, I always would take my time. Uh, most people, I'd see other kids or other people play, and I just seemed to be into it a little bit more. And and that's what really I think, um, you know, set things apart. And uh, I felt like uh, I won the first tournament I played in when I was 17. It wasn't against the top level players in the in the area. Uh, they had two different levels at that time, almost like a junior type of thing at a local pool room. And uh, went in there, won that tournament. And I was like, you know, this, this might be something, you know, I'm, I might have a knack for this, um, maybe compete with some bigger people. And that's, that's when I started branching out and heading across the, the Bay Bridge to your area and other places. Yeah. So we first met, I guess, on the Planet Pool Tour. You and yes. I were both competing mm -hmm. on that tour. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I still remember the first day walking into Champions and in Laurel for, mm -hmm. you know, I guess a season opening Planet Pool thing. Yeah. And, you know, I was just, I had been playing bar tables in Westminster, Maryland, and I was, you know, thought I was pretty good. And you walk in there and there's Jose Perica and yeah. Keith McCready and Mike Davis. And, you know, and at the time I'm looking around and, you know, I'm like, man, these guys are really good players, you know. Um, but at one point, at least in, you know, my progression, I kind of felt like, you know what, nobody really has to beat me. You know, I am starting exactly. to feel confident. And mm -hmm. even if it wasn't true, I felt that way. Was yeah. there a moment for you, maybe in one of those events or a key match that you won where you said, you know what, nobody here has to beat me. I can win yeah. these matches. There was, there was some tournaments. Uh, you probably remember the, the Tuesday night, uh, local tournaments, uh, oh, yeah. at champions in Laurel. Um, not the biggest entry fee, single elimination race to seven, but I used to go to those, uh, as much as I possible. And that's a two hour drive, but Keith, Jose Perica, uh, Leonardo on Dom, um, you remember all the other guys around there, all the top players would go and, uh, did well, uh, won a couple of those tournaments and, and it was like, you know, these, the people don't have to win. And I was doing pretty well on the planet pool tour. 
uh, early 2000s, mid, mid 2000s. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, they, if I play good, they, they might not have to like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say uh, at your time playing pool, what was your biggest achievement? Something that you're most proud mm, of playing pool? Wow. Um, you know, I'm going to go a little bit off the uh, beaten path here. Most people will talk about a result and, and, and I can mention that, but um, there was a, a benefit I did uh, some years ago for some local people um, in my area to help uh, raise a little bit of money for a good cause. Uh, that was one thing for me that uh, stands out uh, other than other than a result, the fact that they um, uh, asked out to the to a local guy of me, you know, the, their hero, so to speak, to come in and, and play some challenge games, uh, hang around with the people and, and help raise some money for a good cause. Um, that I really enjoyed that. That was giving a little something back to the local people. Um, I really enjoyed that. And um, some of the results there, you know, there's a couple that, that, that got away and there's, there's a couple that I've, that I've won that that's always going to be part and parcel, I guess. But um, say the biggest result, um, probably one of the, one of the tournaments in Cambridge um, had a, you remember those tournaments there in Cambridge, the bar table, big events. And it was a, a Maryland state championship, Maryland shootout tournament and um and beat uh, beat larry neville in the final so broken ran out the hill hill game in alternate break format and also beat him earlier in the tournament in the winter side final so uh, to beat have two victories over him at that time in 2007 um he was really really probably one of the top five players especially on a bar table especially with his break in the in the country um for just a local guy in that area that was that was pretty big for me um yeah and he's um He's not doing great these days no, from what I hear. Um, is, is, he's diabetic as well. So uh, he's had some, he's running some, some hardship and uh, some, some bad, bad news for him. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'd love to talk to him. You know, I'd love to get him on yeah. and maybe even try to help him out in some way. Because, yeah. yeah. uh, you know, I remember like you when he would come around our area. Yeah, and for sure. you know, just just being so like his stroke. I don't know that I've ever it seen. It was it was difficult um, competing against him in that tournament because I remember vividly I had to get out of my mind watching him break and watching his stroke, you know, on certain shots because you've seen and 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 heard so many great things about him at that time. Um, so for me to sit there and to focus on a match, I'm trying to win the tournament. It's a $3,000 tournament, total prize fund there for first. Um, it's, and it's big in our area and in, in, in the, you know, the DMV area. Um, so I don't want to watch. I don't want to be a fan, even though it's, it's yeah. kind of cool watching him doing his thing, you know? And uh, I was like, but I got to compete, you know? So I was able to get by him a couple of times there. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, it's tough to set that aside sometimes. It, it it, it takes all my strength sometimes when you're not out there on a pro tour playing full time. You can't be a fanboy. Well, you know, in terms of results, didn't you um, didn't you just have a second place to uh, Jason Shaw? I I did. Yes, I did. It was back in uh, back in February. Yeah, it's 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 quite the story with that. Um, it's What's the first time I yeah first time I ever went to Connecticut. Uh, he put a tournament on. Uh, it's first time having a tournament of that of that magnitude. Great prize fund, as you know, there's tons of great players in the Northeast here. I mean, Salsi, Rafael DeBreo. I mean, so many, so many to name. And forgive me if I forget anyone, but um, Jason, Mike Shane, of course, Jesus, uh, the late Jalala Sarisi, tons and tons of talent. It's the first time I ever went to Connecticut, and uh, my best friend John Moody Jr. Uh, talked me into going. That was my first big table tournament back um, since the since the shutdown. Everything had what uh, was shut down for the, for the COVID. So uh, I played one bar table tournament for that. And here I am playing on the big table. So um, all I've been doing is practicing at my, at my house. And I wasn't sure who was going to show up, what was going to happen. <laughs> it was, how am I going to play? I know it's winter break 10 ball, which, which, you know, is it's a good format and uh, a lot of prize money. And it's time to go butt some heads with some great players. Well, Undefeated through Saturday, I come back Sunday, and and about two o'clock in the afternoon, I ordered lunch, and I don't know if my glucose was lower than what I thought it was, or 
maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Who the hell knows? But there is three small steps by Jason's front counter at the pool room. And I missed the last step. Oh. And I rolled my ankle and all my weight went on my right ankle and I fell to the ground. And I went to stand up and I felt it immediately. Something was either torn or fractured. Jeez. And I made my, you know, she took my order and paid and everything. I went back to sit down and wait for my food. And John kept asking me, he said, what's the matter with you? Why are you hobbling? I said, well, I just fell at the front counter. And I think I've either torn a ligament or something or I fractured my foot. He said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I, I think I'm going to have to forfeit. I said, because I, it, since it, it was swelling so bad. And then we looked outside. It had been snowing since nine o'clock in the morning. So they had about six to seven inches of snowfall that time. So we really couldn't leave. We were in a little bit of a jam and I'm You're almost stuck. five hours from home. I'm kind of stuck. Jeez. And I was like, John, I'm, I'm, I'm still undefeated. I'm going to try and wing it. So I hobbled through the next couple of matches, uh, got by and Jason was wanting to know well, what, what, what happened. I said, well, I think I broke my foot by your front counter. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, but I'm not going to quit now. They got me ice. They found me places where I could prop my foot and keep my weight off of it. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm in the Winterside Finals, and I'm playing Mike DeShane. Uh, three and seven eighths inch pockets, race to nine, winter break, and I'm playing one of the best players in the in the country, hell in the world. And uh, I I hobbled along and got myself together, and I ended up winning that match. Nice. Lo and behold, I won that match somehow, some way. I think the broken foot slowed me down. And uh, I kept my composure. And uh, next thing you know, I'm undefeated in a field full of killers. And, well, no chance of going home now. I just hope I don't do any more damage to my foot. <laughs> wow. That's, a, that's an incredible story. I wonder if yeah. Jason, I wonder if it was Jason's room, right? It's Jason in Ira's room, yeah. And uh, and, and Jason and, and Ira and all of us now, we, we became pretty decent friends. And uh, we, we reach out and have dinner and such when we go to see each other at tournaments so he's he's constantly ribbing me about it to this day he got a few ribs in at the, uh, at the u.s open at the, at the matchroom event so he was it's all, all in good fun yeah well i mean i wonder if he was thinking at the time like oh my god is this guy gonna sue me well he or <laughs> hell i don't want this guy to win he's got a broken foot yeah. <laughs> i've got two good feet him yeah, i'm one of the top five players in yeah. the world and i got this guy with a broken foot he's getting ready to beat me in my own pool room on an ultra tough table so <laughs> He did um, so get you in the finals, right? He got me in the finals, yeah. Take he us was, through that uh, match. How did they go? Um, at, at that point for the past four matches, I was subject to miss anything I shot at because any time I would put any rotation on my right foot, left or right, it would hurt like, like no other. Uh, very, very painful. And I would wince. And there was times where I would just – it was almost like my foot, body, whatever, would, would, would just give out while I'm over a shot, there was a ball I would miss, you know, if I had to stretch sometimes because the pain was so great. And like I said before, maybe, maybe I should have quit. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of stubborn, but um, it was, it was tough. That match got over with about two o'clock in the morning. Um, I was undefeated, but they played a uh, race of 13 final. And Jason came, uh, came storming out of the blocks like he does against just about anybody. And I just hobbled along and, and tried to keep up as best I could. I was breaking balls real good, playing real good. And um, he got up to uh, 12 to 7, but he made a few mistakes. And I was able to claw back uh, four more games to 12 to 11. And it was breaking um, when it was Hill 11, him. And uh, I missed a one ball. Uh, missed a one ball. Tough, tough shot going down the rail on a three and seven eighths inch pocket. It was it was missable, but I, even with a broken foot as good as I was playing, I didn't think I was going to miss it. And he ended up getting out and congratulated me on a hell of a tournament and hope my foot's okay you know that is a hell of a tournament you know yeah, if you think it about was... it you were coming off a layoff you hadn't played on a big table since before the pandemic you go up there you halfway through the tournament you fall down a set of stairs and break your foot and then you end up beating mike deshane you're you know went through undefeated and played jason in the finals and then you had every reason to just lose that match 12 yeah. to 7 13 to 7 yeah. right but then he made a mistake and now you come all the way back i mean that was a hell of a tournament yeah uh, through uh you find strength through adversity i think um i had several people reach out to me and text messenger phone calls and said you know he said i think the reason you played so good was because you can't move any faster. 
So now they suggest I put a burr or something sharp in my shoe to keep me hobbling along whenever I play pool to try <laughs> and maintain my focus to keep me from running around the table so much. You know, um, it's it's so funny you say that, Kevin, because I, I played when I first started playing like in my 20s, it was with my dad and, and a pool, you know, a team mm -hmm, that we had. Mm -hmm. And we had a guy on the team that did like landscape work. And one time he like cut his hand so bad, like it was almost like he could barely even, you know, make a bridge. But his yeah, hand was yeah. like bandaged all like crazy the guy shot the best pool he ever shot that night you know with yeah. all this injury and folks were like my dad even said he's like you know i think it's the fact that he has this injury he slowed himself down and he's really focusing focus. and he played great yeah focus absolute pure focus um, um i was more stable over the ball just because just necessity i had, had to, to be because yeah. any type of rotation left or right and the pain was 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 so bad that I, I couldn't stand it. So I'd have to back away from the table and reset or um, um, put weight on my opposite foot and and try to get try to get through that shot at least and just hobble along and go through the next one. And the one thing I didn't want to do is I, I didn't want to give up, of course, but um, I didn't want to um, get to the point where I would shoot quick, even though I'm in pain just so I could go sit down and find relief. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I've gone this far. I, I, I got to try and I got to try and stick it out and got to try and beat this guy. Yeah. I like, that... I like him. He's my friend, but I got to try and beat him. Oh, let me tell you. I, so I just met him out in Vegas for the first time at the, great, the great uh, CSI Expo. You're right. But up until then, you know, I root for the USA in the Moscone mm -hmm. Cup, and you know, this year he he's just brash. You know, he's yeah. he's cof confident. Some Very. would call him cocky. You mm -hmm. know, and and so I'm like, I don't think I would like this guy. Well, he stopped by the booth uh, that we had out at the CSI Expo, mm -hmm. and we were just like, Hey, do you have a minute to chat with us? He sat down and chatted with us when he should have been practicing for like 45 yeah. minutes. We had a great yeah. interview. We had a great time talking to him. And I left that experience saying, I really like that guy. You know, he's a, he's a cool guy. He is a cool guy. Um, and, and he's very open. He's very, he will talk and have a great conversation with you. And, and it's not about pool, about anything life. Yeah. Um, and, and he really is a, a cool cat to hang with. Um, I've had a lot of fun with him. Uh, went to his birthday dinner at, uh, in Bay at, um, I'm sorry, at the Atlantic city matchroom event. He invited John and myself and, um, it's really a good time and to, to the banter it's all in good fun um he, he he is very confident um but he is an open book when you get to know him and you sit there and talk he will have a great conversation with you and uh he's got a lot of stories as well yeah well you know you mentioned adversity kevin and that's something that you've dealt with pretty much your whole life you yeah. know just kind of knowing a little bit about you mm -hmm. but um you know, share with people kind of what you've been dealing with since you were a very little kid and then maybe take that to what impact that's had on your pool career and, you know, just the day to day of playing in a pool tournament and being diabetic. Yeah. Um, the, the, the sleep, sleep is one of the biggest things. Uh, I don't, I don't sleep straight, straight through. I, I sleep in, in increments for the most part. Uh, I'm usually up uh, at least once, sometimes twice a night to, uh, either use the restroom. And, and I always check my blood sugar, um, to make, make sure I'm, make sure I'm okay. And, uh, it's just an instinct. I have a built in alarm clock, so to say. Um, so I'm always checking myself and, um, trying to keep my glucose at a, at a good operating range where, where I don't want it to drop too low in a match where it affects my vision or, or my hands get shaky or I, I, my, my knees get, get shaky and it affects uh, my play because, you know, with the competition out there, you, you miss a ball or two or make a mistake, you lose. So I don't want it to be because of that. But one thing that that happens with me is that my body is changing uh, almost every hour with uh, with your glucose levels uh, and it affects everything. And uh, trying to get through that and, uh, you know, asking people for a little break every once in a while if I can go grab a bite to eat or something. I, I, I don't like to do it. I, I like to try to plan things out as well as possible. But luckily for me, I've, um, you know, like with the Planet Pool Tour and other stuff, you know, I've um, gotten to know a lot of people. And uh, if I need 10 or 15 minutes, everyone's always willing to do that. And um, just trying to keep yourself together. Um, 
you know, I, I try to plan out my, my when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to take my next insulin shot. I take three insulin shots a day at a, at a minimum. I don't use an insulin pump because of my line of work and stuff, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's tough to, to keep everything um, in line and focus on getting up there and playing a match where you might only be able to miss a ball or two and, you know, lose. So um, there's, there's a lot going on uh, behind the scenes there that a lot of people may not know about. Are there any other top players that you know of that have something similar? No, not, not that I know of. Um, I, I don't know of any. Has it cost you any big matches? Yes, several. Um, uh, take, take us through I, one or two. I, I can't really uh, complain I mean, about I, um, the lack yeah, of I sleep mean, because, you know, some of these tournaments, it's, it's tiresome anyway. Everyone's yeah, going to be tired sleeps. by Sunday night. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to be tired by Sunday night at 8, 9, 10 o'clock. Right. Um, I just might be a little bit more tired than most. But fatigue is a, is a big symptom with, uh, with diabetes. You're just, you just never feel as rested as the next guy. So um, there's, there's been times where, um, uh, especially in my 20s, um, I wasn't uh, in tune with what my body needs and, and wanted at that time and um, wasn't taking as good of care of myself because, quite frankly, didn't have the information. Um, back then, I was handed three, uh, like three pamphlets and a couple of prescriptions and, hey, welcome to the world. You're, you're a diabetic. Here's how you load an insulin shot. So you had the, I've always had to learn as, as I go and uh, sort of wing it. Sometimes those glucose levels would, would drop down to 40 or 50. And uh, there's always a range there, 100, 110, 120. That's perfect for a, a normal person. And I feel great when it's like that, even 150 or 160. Um, but there's times, there's a fine line there where from 110 drops to 70 that's a, that's a big difference. And that can happen in a matter of, of 15 to 20 minutes sometimes. And there's times where it happens in the middle of the match and, and you're not quite seeing clearly. It, it just happened to me at a, a Maryland state championship a couple of years ago. I had to, uh, I had to take a break. I, I missed a ball and, it, and it's like, I didn't even see the contact point, but I ran other balls before that. It was like, I was going in and out a little bit. So I, I took a little bit of an extended break. I, I grabbed a, uh, a snack out of my, out of my pool case and uh, I probably milked it for a little bit. I stayed in the restroom <laughs> a little while trying to let, the, let the, the glucose and the carbohydrates work a little bit so I can try and get to the match. But I got through that. I was able to eat dinner and uh, take my uh, insulin shot with, with dinner and uh, prepare for the final and able to, able to get through it and get through that tournament, win the tournament. Oh, you won the Maryland State Championship. Yeah, yeah, in 2000, uh, I think it was 2019, pandemic uh, sort of got everything, got some of my times and dates kind of screwed up. Um, I think it was 2019, um, and uh, I was able to get through the winter side final there. And once I felt confident if I could get through that, I can take my insulin shot, eat dinner, get myself balanced back out again, that, that maybe I can maybe be tough to beat in this final. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not diabetic, but I've – kind of uh, speculated for a long time mm -hmm. that the pacing in which I eat, you know, the timing in which I eat when I play pool has an mm -hmm. effect on how I play. I mean, even yeah. for somebody of, you know, without diabetes, if you have a huge meal and then try to play pool, well, you're, it's like your brain, your body's working on digestion. It, you, know? you know, it's funny, Joey. I've had a lot of people, just about everyone I've ever talked to said that they don't want to eat before they play. They feel too full. Whereas, it's funny how this works. I'm just the opposite. Wow. When, when I eat, I don't feel heavy. I don't feel full. I feel energized. I feel like going out and playing and competing. It revitalizes me because when your glucose drops, you lose energy levels. Um, if it goes too low, of course, you can go in and out and eventually fall into a coma. But um, I feel energized. I take an insulin shot and I can grab a bite to eat and I feel like a new man. And I feel much better. Um, a lot of times matches for me at, at 3.30, 4, 4.30 in the afternoon are always kind of tough for me because at that time during the day, I'm usually relaxing at home or whatever. I'm through with work and I'm prepping to eat dinner and take an insulin shot. Um, so things can go a little haywire there sometimes. But if I can get through that and then eat dinner and, and, and get myself re-energized, I can play so much better on a, on a full stomach. Yeah, and I think we were talking about a few years ago at Derby, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. at the American Rotation yes. Finals. Yes. Didn't it, yes. Didn't it hit you then? What happened? There, there? was there was a. Uh, I'm gonna shout out to Joe Tucker here if you don't mind. Great man, yeah. and uh, his American Rotation series was by far um, uh, the the best thing that I that I've played in. And um, kudos to him for coming up with that. And um, thank you as well. Um, it was 2016. Uh, we played in a series at our local pool room. Uh, John Moody Jr. and his father have had a series there, and. Um, I won the series, got the got the trip to Derby to play in their championship. Tons of great players: Jody McLaughlin, uh, Johnny Archer, Mike Davis. Um, go through the uh, go through a round robin stage and uh, get to the final match against Mike and myself. And uh, Mike's, as you know, has been an old friend of mine for a long time. We've battled many, many times over the years. And the final match is set to take place between ten thirty and eleven, depending on when they get the stream set up and everything else. And I'm trying to contemplate when I'm, should I take my third insulin shot? I take my third insulin shot right around 11 or 12 o'clock. Um, I take one in the morning, one for dinner and one to help stabilize things around midnight or so. And I was like, do I take it now at 10 and maybe have my glucose run low while I'm playing the match? It might be a two or three hour match. Or do I try to wing it and play the match and take it afterwards? is my glucose going to run too high if I don't take the insulin shot? So I'm in my hotel room at 10, 10 30 at night, juggling this around. And, um, I talked to a good friend of mine the next day and he's like, you know, he said, don't, don't feel any shame in, in losing that match. I lost the match 140 to 138, about a three hour oh, that's match. That's right. That was a yep. super close match. I remember super that. Close. After yeah. being down, I was down, uh, I think I was down 60 points to two, 62 to two, something like that. And I came back to uh, to take the lead there. He came out on fire, and um, and I was able to battle back. And it was nip and tuck after that. And um, if you if anyone ever goes back and checks this video out, when there's a rack there, um, Joe Tucker put a edited version of the last two games. And there is a shot where I get down to the 13 ball on the bottom rail, and that would have put me at 136, I think. Yeah, 136 or at least I thought it was 136. Anyway, I get to the bottom rail and I tap my chalk on the table. I was looking at Mike's score and not mine. I made a mistake and I got out of line on the 15 ball and I chopped it down the rail because all I thought I had to do was make the 13, the 14, and I win the national championship. Come to find out I needed an extra ball. Oh no. And I, I didn't really play shape on the 15 as well as I should have. I came up kind of bad on it. I still chopped it down the rail from above the side pocket down to the other end. Frozen made a hell of a shot there to get it to 138. And uh, he was at uh, he was at 120, you know. So all he had to do was I just got the scoring mixed up. And uh, yeah. he broke and he broke and got every point in the last game, beat me 140 to 138. Jeez. I I miscalculated. Well, you know, Mike is probably my best friend in the pool community. I've, yeah. you know, just, we just clicked. And- I, I thought I had the 120. Yeah. I thought I had the, I thought I had the, the, I thought I was ahead by a couple points at that time. Heat of the moment. I wasn't thinking I had the 118. He, he was a couple points ahead of me. He got every point the last game. That speed edited diversion of those last two games was, was kind of cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Maybe I could put a clip of that in here. That <laughs> it was cool. so funny. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had a, an old friend of mine when I got back home from the Derby, I had a real good finish at the Derby that year, finished in the top 25 right after the, uh, right after the American rotation event. And I came home and I had an old old friend of mine say, you know, he said, I kind of figured you're going to do pretty well in that tournament. I said, well, how did you know? And why didn't you tell me? You know, <laughs> how, did you, how did you have this figured out before I did? He said, because I remember you going to the pool room years ago and playing 15 ball rotation. Hmm. I would break the balls. I, I, I always thought there should be a little bit more work into playing pool, I guess. And I became friends with a lot of Filipinos in the Arlington, uh, Alexandria area in the, in the 90s. And they always said that Efren, all the best players, played 15-ball rotation. And once I started thinking about that, I was like, well, maybe I should try it. I would break the balls. I would have three balls playing, make three balls playing nine ball. You got four or five balls left on the table. The cue ball can land various spots and you can still get out. So I wanted a little tighter cue ball. And that was a good way for me to practice, to work on a big break, um, uh, work on cue ball control, moving in and out, uh, kisses, caroms, safeties, uh, stuff like that. And I've been practicing that. That had been my main go-to 
for many years. And, and I'm not sure when Mike Davis uh, started playing that, um, playing that game, but I know we had talked about it uh, many times over the years. Um, and uh, to me, it was, it was, it was no mistake that, that we got there. I know there's some great players in the field, no offense to anybody, but um, yeah. you know, he beat Johnny Archer in the semifinals and, uh, and I beat a real good player and, uh, and a friend of mine, Jody McLaughlin to, to get there. And um, we were, uh, we were ready to butt heads. It's, yeah. And, and Mike actually brought that up on his episode when I asked for advice for well, players, he said yeah. the 15 ball rotation. And he also talked about, you know, playing competitively. So yes. whether that's tournaments or whether that's matching up, Gotta have the some, competition. People, some people don't like to gamble. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But then play tournaments and play you know, tournaments. You got to have the competition. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned heading driving two hours to go play in those events on Tuesday yeah. nights at Champions. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but back in that time. Mm-hmm. There were tournaments every night of the week. Every night, twenty dollar entry, yep. and you you know the same tough players every yeah. single night. You know you'd have McCready, McCreesh, yeah. Brandon McCreesh, Shaw. Yes, you know. forgot about I forgot yeah. about Ryan Brandon. There's so many name of uh, old friend of mine, Brian O'Donnell. You probably remember him. Oh yeah, all yeah. of those guys Cuddy. would always show Cuddy, up. Cuddy, yeah, right? Cuddy, yeah. yeah. And I would pick the toughest one, and the toughest one at that time was the Tuesday night. I figured if I'm going to take a night during the week where I'm going to drive home at two, three, four o'clock in the morning and go to work the next day on a few hours sleep, this is going to be the one. Um, and uh, you know, I would go back home and then prep for the weekend, hopefully find a tournament somewhere else. So all these good players that we kind of grew up around, mm-hmm. you know, I, I used to look and I was like, none of them have a job. You know, maybe I'm the best <laughs> pool player that has a job around. And then the I best. met I met you and I met Matt Clatterbuck, <laughs> you know, who's a UPS driver. Yes, uh, but yes, you have, yes. I think, probably the most interesting job. I mean, I've never yeah. heard of any other pool player that does what you do. So tell everybody yeah. what you do. I, I raise chickens for a living. Chicken it's farm. a family. Yeah, I'm a chicken farmer. Yeah, I, uh, it's a family business. They've been doing it for about sixty some years. My parents are uh, 83 and 81, so uh, they've been doing it for about you know, a little over 60 years. Uh, my father had an electrical contracting business. He retired from that 13 years ago, but they built a chicken farm. We have uh, six 42 foot wide, 500 foot buildings that house about. 28,000, 30,000 chickens or so, depending on how many the company places. And we raise them, you know, anywhere from five to seven weeks at a time, depending on the size they want. And that is a, that is the full-time job. That's what enables me to go to tournaments. So what, it, like, what's, what's the life of a chicken farmer like? Oh boy. Like, I um, mean, I, like what, what does it involve? Most, most people think I get up at the crack of dawn, which is not true. <laughs> not true at all. It's, it's one o'clock in the morning here and I'm wide awake talking to you. Um, so those chickens are not going to go anywhere. Um, they'll get there when I get there. Um, it's, you have to walk through every day. Daily maintenance is part and parcel. There's everything's automatic, but things do break down. Um, you always have to repair something. Uh, you have to check on the birds, make sure they have, uh, have the food and the water and, and, uh, I don't know if you want any more details or not, but um, <laughs> you you have to trudge through there, and yeah, you have to trudge through there, and uh, when you deal with animals, you got to work every day. Yeah, and you do that. You you go through. Yeah. You, I, you do that personally. Uh, uh, about this time next week, we have our uh, this flock of chickens will be leaving the farm. The company's going to come grab them, and uh, I already know now that I'll be working Thanksgiving morning, Christmas morning, and New Year's Day because we'll probably get birds two or three weeks later for another flock, and that means it's going to be working right through the holiday as usual. Yeah. yeah. So I want to ask you about sponsorship. Um, okay. You know, a lot of the folks that I talk to, you know, they have a sponsor here or there, mm-hmm. or maybe have struggled to get sponsors. And I've been mm-hmm. flashing up that you're a QTech ambassador. Tell us about yeah. that, what it means to you, and and tell us the equipment that you're choosing to play with. It, uh, it means a lot. Um, I guess a good friend of mine, Erwin, Erwin um, Dionisio, the, the, the wonderful oh, yeah. photographer. Great he photographer. Was, yes, as good as it gets. He was uh, at uh, Jason's tournament, and... Um, he had his uh, light set up back there in the corner, and he noticed I had all Q-Tech equipment at that time except for the butt. I had the brake cue, I had the works, the glove, everything. And uh, he said, hey, can you uh, come over and let me take a couple shots of you? I said, sure. I, I don't know. You know, I'll be glad to do it for you. So he went over and took a couple shots, and he sent them to uh, Kyle at, at Q-Tech. And he said, you know, he said, I, I think we may have a guy that we could uh, – 
use as an ambassador, player rep, whatever you want to call it, uh, in, in the Northeast here. And um, come to find out, I, I did well in that tournament. And, you know, I fractured my foot. And I, I think <laughs> I think Kyle was watching the stream. I can't really remember. But uh, I, they were like, what, what's not like about this? We set up an interview about a, about a week later. And uh, we talked a lot about some R&D and stuff like that. And that really... That really, I really enjoy stuff like that. So, um, sign on the dotted line. He's really a good guy, and I just met Brett, who also uh, works there with him. Um, another great man. Had a real long conversation with him about a week and a half ago, and um, really, really a cool bunch of guys. And um, they they set me up with a new uh, Avid series. Uh, I've always had the breech. I've always had the propel. Had the gloves. Um, got the shirt got got everything here so i can't um, see they, the shirt yeah they set me up with all kinds of <laughs> okay. stuff here. there's the there we go. Tech compete there you go um, all right <laughs> but uh yeah they they set me up with a lot of stuff and uh it, it's really really cool to be uh be a guy who you know works full-time diabetic um uh, happens to play pretty good every once in a while and, and get noticed by such a big company to uh for them to reach out and have me represent them that's awesome and i've talked yeah. to those guys and you know, they're just, you know, I, I actually told them when I talked to them, I'm like, you know, I guess my whole pool career, you know, I looked at Q-Tech as something I would never use. But, man, in the last several years, they have turned they, it around. They've really made great strides in the in the past uh, four to five years or so. And um, their, their carbon fiber shaft, for sure, is, uh, is, is as good as it gets. Um the, the avid series people you guys need to try that um i think Green, you're going to be pleasantly you. pleasantly surprised with uh, with the type of cue you're going to get for the money you're going to spend and um you know uh, it's really really good equipment to break you the, the jump cue i think that i think they speak for themselves the gloves the shirts everything they've really made great strides in the past few years so i have an avid and it's funny because i have uh, a custom cue, Jack mm -hmm. Madden, beautiful cue mm -hmm. that I won mm -hmm. in a raffle and I put a synergy on it and I was playing in the Arizona open, the Tucson, the CSI mm -hmm. event down here. And, um, I, I was struggling a little. And so I pulled the Al Avid out of the bag and I started playing yeah. better. And I, I just chose to play with that, even with the yeah. Avid shaft and you know, it's, so it's you were, a, you were playing with the glass bonded shaft. Yeah. 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 And, you like uh, it? That's... Yeah, I did. And, and Jeremy Jones walked by me. He's like, I'm in there hitting balls and he walks by and he says, that's a great hitting cue, isn't it? For sure. For sure. <laughs> and I'm is. like, yeah, you, you bet it is. I so. think he's getting ready to switch over. I think he's going to start playing with that. I think maybe even you told me, I can't remember, but, uh, they really are, they pack a big bang for the buck. Yeah. And, um, they, they really are, uh, really are nice, solid playing cues for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think your story, Kevin, is, is really going to be kind of inspirational for a lot of people. Um, you know, when I had an episode and I had a young junior player on, his name was Cash Lance. He lives mm -hmm. in Colorado. And, you know, Cash was talking about the struggles he's had with the autoimmune issue called Pandas. Well, mm -hmm. it just coincidentally, my son about a year ago was diagnosed with Pandas. And so we kind of share that bond and people yeah. messaged me and said, yeah, my son has pandas or, you know, and I think that's going to happen because, you know, there's a ton of people out there who are diabetic yes. and I'm sure a lot of them play pool. You know, there's a lot of pool yeah. players out there that probably yeah. struggle with this. Yeah. And so I think your story is going to be pretty inspirational to them that you can play at such a high mm -hmm. level even with what you're dealing with? There's about uh, around 1 million type ones. There's about 30 million the last time I checked of type two. And um, the one thing I can tell you is, is that if you work hard and you don't give up, you can do it. You just gotta take care of yourself, which is probably what you know everyone should do, but um, just gotta watch everything you do and don't give up. You can do it. Let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about the state of pool. It's kind of, I think it's in an interesting place because, you know, for years there were, you know, there were tours out there. You and I competed on one or yeah. a couple uh -huh. of them together. And, um, you know, the model to me was always wrong. Like to go and ask a pool room who, you know, doesn't yeah. clear a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Hey, can you kick up $2,000 to host this pool event yeah, to, yeah. so we can have 65 people in here that drink Coke? <laughs> so, yeah, so we, so we can all run out the door at 1230 at night yeah. to go to our hotel room and not spend uh, 10 bucks in your place because exactly. we have to play pool all day and can't enjoy a yeah. good meal or a couple of drinks and watch the run game. Over, 
run over to McDonald's instead of eating here at the yeah, yeah. grab all something real quick because I get back to sleep. I got to play eight or nine in the morning or whatever. Yeah, but but now we're starting to see like almost an injection of um, maybe capital into the game. Mm-hmm. We're seeing like sure. Pred- Predator and CSI investing mm-hmm. in that U.S. Mm-hmm. Pro Billiards series. Obviously, Matchroom. They yes. added an event this year, Champions League pool. They're adding an event yeah. next year in the UK. Yeah, exactly. So there's a ton of people doing stuff. And I don't know if it's the end of the pandemic and people are just like, let's do it, let's do it, and doing all kinds of stuff. But I'm curious, do you have any ideas for maybe how we can grow the sport even further? Um, getting everyone on the same page somehow, some way, some shape, some form. Um, I think... I think it's going to take, um, Matchroom is doing the right thing. I think they're going to hopefully go after a model of snooker, uh, where there is rankings. Um, I think that, that pool is the only sport where you have to pay an entry fee to go to work to try to win money. Um, I think the entry fees are somehow you're gonna have to get rid of them. Uh, the only way that's going to come through is sponsorship dollars, viewership, you know, stuff, you know, viewers, um, they're going to have to find a way to, to, to get outside interests. Say, hey, look, we have X amount of people who are interested in pool, and we got to get some outside sponsorship outside of pool sponsors interested because we can bring so many social media hits or whatever. Um, got to get together. Um, and I don't know if it's possible to get one governing body. I don't know if Matchroom want to do that, um, but I watch a lot of snooker on on YouTube and uh, a big fan of ranking systems, tour cards, um, that when you have an established system like that, people want to be a part of that. I watched a World Axe Throwing Championship. It's got a $5,000 first prize, but they have organization top to bottom. Everyone works together. A lot of pool players, uh, sad to say, are independent contractors. You have to get everybody on the same page. If these larger governing bodies or just matchroom support themselves can work together, form a set of rankings and, and, and have a certain togetherness, maybe outside larger interest can inject even more money into the game. Do away with the entry fees, have players show up to play, showcase your superstars, have your press conferences, stuff like that. Um, I think maybe you might be able to head in the right direction, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, and you know, building off of last episode, which was Jeremy Jones, mm-hmm. he talked about a players association and yes. how yeah. that's something that's been lacking in professional pool for a long time. And there's a trust issue or who's going to be the yeah. right person to lead that mm-hmm. or kind of getting people together. Yeah. And I think, you know, combine that with what you're talking about. Exactly. And, and I, now we got something. I think, I think uh, for the sake of, you know, pools always had a bad rap of someone wants to be the head of some fledgling organization and then they take some money out of it. One person doesn't trust the other. Okay, you can get a player's association. Find out who can be your president, vice president, whoever, however you want to do it. But I think you have to have a larger governing body to, to, to help set up like snooker, ranking events, ranking tournaments, stuff like that. Um, and then you could take that and show that to outside sponsors. Hey, look, so-and-so is number one. So-and-so is number two. Let's showcase them. And, and you, have a, you have a togetherness. You have rankings. You have an association. Um, I'm not sure a, a player's association would work without a larger governing body trying to put forth some structure and rankings. And I, I guess I'm just saying, and to make short words here, follow the snooker model. Yeah. Look what they do. Look at what they do. Their, their world championships pays over a half a million dollars. There's well, multi-millionaires and- playing snooker. And I think that's what we have to go for governing bodies and rankings. Yeah. And I, I like the structure part too, because, for sure. you know, whatever state you're in, you're going to have different rules, whatever tournament, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. some tournaments. It's like, Oh, we're putting the nine on the spot. We're putting the one on the spot. We're there's, there's no togetherness. There's no one's on the same rack, page. You yep. know, yeah. Because all, all the, not only are the pool players, independent contractors, but so are the promoters for the most part. I want the nine on the spot. I don't want the nine on the spot. Let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. And the players all show up because that that's what they do. They play pool for a living. But I think you have to have something uniform. I, I am, I'm hoping Emily Frazier and Matchroom take the bull by the horns and maybe become a governing body, maybe try to get pool into a snooker type 
uh, format uh, as far as rankings, like I said before, stuff like that. Something you can pitch to outside sponsors, get other people interested. Because I don't know if this model that we've had in many years for the past however many years is it's worked in the short term. We need a long term building. So you mentioned uh, the U.S. Open earlier, and you yes. mentioned snooker about fifteen times in that that yes. last. I'm last a big question. fan of snooker. Yes. So tell me about like what were your thoughts on Judd Trump uh, being invited to the U.S. Open? <laughs> well, you know, it's good. It's good for the game because uh, he brought in a lot of outside viewership, uh, ten to twelve thousand more viewers sometimes when he was playing. Um, if I if if I was if I remember correctly, so uh, yeah, it it helps put pool on the map even more because right now you need the outside viewership more than in anything else. You need more faces, and Judd uh, can bring that. I would love to know the numbers between uh, uh, Jason Shaw and Judd Trump playing on the on the TV oh, table. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to know how many people tuned in for that. Um, you have to look at those numbers, and that was you know that was big. I'm glad Judd played. I, he brought a lot more outside attention, maybe from other parts of Europe or definitely Asia, where snooker is huge. Um, have you ever played snooker, Kevin? I played snooker a, a few times. Uh, you'll probably remember this pool room uh, on Route 2. Remember Bill and Billy's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had some planet pool events there. Well, mm-hmm. I stopped in there when I was a teenager, and the old house man there, uh, they had a snooker table and a 5 by 10 and he gave me a set of pool balls, but they were snooker size. And he said, you can run a rack of nine ball on this table. He said, you'll have table time for life free, he said, while I work here. I tried it and I tried it and I tried it. And I would stop in every time I would go there. And before I went to some of the action pool rooms and stuff, I would stop in there and play, play on that table even for a half hour or so, an hour just to make the, the nine foot table look like a bar table when I got to wherever I was going to play late at night. I got the six. I got the yeah. six balls. I, that's the best I could do. Run to the six and I, I jarred a seven and seven feet away. How the hell am I going to make a ball that far away on that thing? You know, I was just glad I got the six balls. I think three of those were tap ins from maybe a foot or two feet away, but I was happy at that point. I was 19 and 20 years old. I was tickled to death. Yeah. I recently streamed a match with uh, the Europeans that are over here in the United States. They're in oh, Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I streamed a match where it was um, Dennis Grave and. Mm-hmm. Kazakis, Alex Kazakis versus mm-hmm. Mario He and Oliver Snolnaki. And they were playing a match, like a Scotch doubles nine ball match. And then after that, they moved over to a 12 foot snooker table. Ooh. And I mean, they were missing balls by a mile. Oh, you know, you, you can't go that way. You know, no, it's like you, you can't, can't go that way. You can't go from the, sw- the hot tub to the swimming pool. You got to go from the swimming pool to <laughs> the hot tub. Should have played snooker first, guys. Yeah, should have played snooker first. Exactly. Then they would have yeah. been they would have played they, perfect. They would have they would have yeah. never missed a ball for 2 days over there on the big table. Yeah. yeah, so that's a move I used to do actually. There was a there was a 12-foot snooker table at a place in Arlington, I think. Um uh high queue? High queue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would go in there and I would hit a bunch of balls on that table sure. and then I would jump over to the nine footer. Sure. And you're right. It feels like a bar box. It feels, it feels like, like a, a bar table. Six uh, foot table or something. Uh, you just I stopped into Bill and Billy's was was on the way for me on Route Two. Um I'm coming from the eastern shore of Delaware, so I would have to go that way to get to any other parts of Baltimore, Pikesville, Reistertown, wherever. And uh, I would always stop in there. Not only did I love the pool room, I love the people in there. But, um, of course, you remember this huge pool room. had like 40-some tables in it. Um, so it was a big, big place. But I always was always drawn to that snooker table. It was always fascinating me. Uh, that thing was, was – was, I was going to get the best of it one day or the other, but just couldn't do it. So who are the other, like, top players that you would compete with in your area right now? I know – uh, mm. Matt Crawl is a good player from Delaware. I know uh, Josh Brothers is yeah. around that area. I think you're mm-hmm. more south Delaware. They're probably yeah, more I'm, north. Yeah, I'm about an hour and a half to two hours from, from them. I'm all the way at the bottom of the state. They're up around the uh, Wilmington, uh, northern part of the state. Um, I'm two to three hours from everybody in the middle of nowhere. So, um, Got it. Sh- Sean and uh, Sean Wilkie, Brandon Chef, for sure. Tough, tough competitors in, in, in my area. Um, Sean has, has, has got the best of me, um, quite a few times here, here lately. He's been played real good against me. So, 
uh, tip my hat to him for that. And um, Brandon's always tough. Everyone knows Brandon. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of guys. There's uh, Dylan Spore. You know, he just won the uh, oh, Maryland yeah. State eight ball championship. A young man. I think he's uh, 21, 22 years old. Um, there's some, some up and comers coming around. Um, but, uh, he, he's, he's one to watch out for. And, uh, in Virginia, they got those juniors or right on the cusp of Nathan Childress, uh, Childress Shane Wolford. Every Shane once Wolford. in a while, they, they come around to the, to that area and, and play, um, to, yeah, when to I was very, back very there, I was hoping to see you, but I didn't see you. I went back there last, uh, winter mm-hmm. and my brother and I played in the Maryland Scotch doubles. And yeah. we we finished third. We lost to um, who did we lose to? We lost to oh Dylan Spore and his partner, who then lost to Nathan and Shane mm-hmm. in the finals. And mm-hmm. so, but my brother and I put a good run together. We beat Brett, Brett Stottlemyre and uh, Rick Scarlato. We were oh, yeah, we were having fun, man. Yeah, yeah, we were playing pretty good. Sure. It was fun. That's, so Kevin, was I, fun. yeah, I want to get like some advice. So one of the things that I like doing with this podcast is asking players because I find that there's a lot of common themes, but then there's also some new nuggets that we can find. So like what Mm -hmm. type of advice would you have for a player who might be like a top junior player who's looking to make that jump to the next level? Mm. You, uh, you have to want it more than you can ever imagine. Um, I, I, at my age, I'm 48. I practice just as much now as I did when I was 25. Um, you, you have to want it more than you can imagine. My motto is if I'm not playing pool, someone else is. Um, so you have to put in a lot of work, a lot of hard work. Now for me only having a few hours a night, uh, to play, uh, for, for quite a while. Um, I always played 15 ball rotation just because I could work on the break. I could, you know, work on a, a tighter cue ball control, um, safeties, whatever. Um, but, but you have to want it and, and you can't just like it. You have to love it. You almost have to, you have to bleed it because these other players that are coming up, they are, and, uh, it's going to be really tough to beat those guys. Uh, if you're not putting that, that extra work in. Not just the work, extra work. So what's next for you? You mentioned you're 48 years old mm-hmm. and, you know, it's almost like you're fine wine. You're getting better with age. You know, <laughs> I keep seeing better results out of you. I've, I've been How, fortunate enough to improve into my 40s a little bit. I yeah, changed some when, things up a little bit and, and uh, really, really helped out a lot. What's the ceiling? I mean, how high could you go? Or you have I, aspirations of snapping off one of these big I, tournaments? I, I'm... Hey, look! I know it's Jason Shaw, but I'm I'm so upset I let that one go. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope I hope he gets to listen to this because it was a really close final. And I love ribbing him; he loves ribbing me. But I'm gonna um, clip it out and send it to him. I I wanted I wanted that one really bad. You know, you couldn't write a better story than that. The broken foot, the whole nine. You know, playing against a world class talent like himself, a great guy. Um, yeah, it's it's. I don't I don't know. I try to hit as many big events as I as, as possible. Um, the 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 local scene in our area, the, as far as big tables goes are, are few and far between anymore. And, and I'm not going to knock a bar table. I've had a lot of success on them, but I, I, I do get tired of playing on them. Sometimes I, the nine footer is a, is a more, com, more complete game, I think. And, uh, I think when you get in stroke on a nine footer, it just helps everything overall. So that's what I look forward to playing in. Um, international open is going to be in a, in a couple of weeks. And, uh, I'm going to try and, try and see what I can do there, but uh, I need some I need some competition before then. Hopefully I can get to another tournament at the same pool room. Uh, it's going to have a 10-ball tournament there on big tables the weekend before and try to gear up a little bit anyway. It's tough going to these tournaments when you're, when you're a working man like myself and just uh, getting into the biggest event and not have anything else in between. Hey, I'm just covering some of these events, and it's tough getting out there myself, yeah, you know, but sure. – uh, I, I might make it out to the international. I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to figure that one out. But I will definitely be out at the CSI Expo for the Diamond Las Vegas and for the, the World 10-Ball Championship mm-hmm. in March. So okay. um, I'd like to see you out there, man. Why well, don't you try to, uh, try to make you, it work? If you get to the international, uh, dinner's on me. Okay. And, uh, okay. Or or if I can get to Vegas, uh, it'd be good to catch up with you as usual. Yeah, I always like I'll return the favor. 
Ah, that's that. That's great. It's a it's an honor and privilege to be on here for number one. But uh, it'd be good to sit down with you and have a chat like we used two years ago. You know, so, be yeah. Cool. Well, Kevin, I want to give you a chance. Any other people that you want to thank? Any any final thoughts uh, from this podcast? I think this podcast is really going to help a lot of people, and I think people are going to love kind of finding out more about you. So, well, why don't you go uh, ahead and give any final thoughts? I want to I want to thank uh, thank a good friend of mine. Uh, John Moody Jr. Um, he has uh, his own billiard supply business, HTM Billiards, and uh, his own Facebook page, uh, Maryland Pool and Billiard Marketplace. Um, he's been traveling with me a lot the uh, last handful of years. Uh, great man, uh, great father, great to hang out with. And uh, he's going to, uh, I think, try to help with some things there. I'm going to be wearing some of his stuff um, at some tournaments there, give him a little, little face with the name, so to speak, and try to represent him. And uh, I want to thank... Uh, Kyle and uh, Erwin um, for for the setting me up with with the deal with Q Tech. There, it's it's really cool to um, to uh, represent a company of that of that size, that magnitude, a worldwide company. And they picked a picked little old me to be a brand ambassador, player rep, whatever you want to call it. And um, there's there's two other guys out there that had some uh, positive influence in my life. Uh, Tony at uh, at Blackboard Custom Cues, like a father to me, great great man. Uh, worked on a lot of stuff with him over the years and. Uh, He's got a sidekick there now that has his own line of cues, uh, Anthony Milanese, uh, another great friend of mine as well. So I've, I've got some good people in the pool world and some good people to hang out with and support me a little bit and really like to see me do well. So hopefully I can um, match their ambition. Awesome. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate your time. It's oh, been great. You. It's been great having you on. It's and like pleasure. I said, I really want people all throughout the country to know about you and uh, if you see Kevin out and about at an event, mm -hmm. go say hi to him, man. He's super for approachable. Sure. For and sure. I'm sure I'll he'd love to, to you meet as you. As much as you want, for sure. To all the juniors, uh, people with disease, illness, autoimmune disease, uh, if I got one thing to say to you, um, don't give up. Don't quit. Work hard. You can do it. And um, don't let things stop you like that. I didn't let my disease, type 1 diabetes, stop me. Uh, it's tough to do, but stay strong. You can do it. Don't quit. Don't give up. You'll be just fine.